Welcome to the Winter Palace. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Zeps Magazine. First, apologies for the podcast hiatus. If you're doing a podcast, probably the worst illness you could get is an ear, nose, and throat one. And as you can probably tell, I'm not fully recovered from that. There may be some extraneous coughing in this episode, but we made every attempt to try and edit them out when possible. Today is what likely will be the first in a series of shows that feature discussion of the Chicago Cup. World Series victory. On the show today, discuss watching the World Series halfway around the world is Egyptian-based author and journalist Ashraf Khalil. Yes, he's in Cairo, not Cairo. We talk about how he kept up with the playoffs, which led to a larger discussion of consuming American popular culture seven time zones away from his Chicago birthplace. We talk about American sports, international sports, watching ESPN and listening to sports podcasts, then some talk about pro wrestling becoming mainstream, watching WWE versus watching Lucha, and some old school memories from back when we were in college together. We end with talk about the current comic scene, what books he is reading, and what books he and you, dear listeners, should be reading. Thanks for your time. We hope you enjoy the show. show back, we can't ignore the elephant in the room, and by elephant, I mean the giant grizzly bear. We've had a number of Cub fans on the podcast recently, including the aptly named Cubs fan last episode, but this time we're going to, to talk about what Cub mania was like halfway around the world, and to do so, we are joined all the way from Cairo by my old college friend, author and newspaper editor, Ashraf Khalil. How's it going, my man? Mark, how's it going? It's been I am good. Uh, like I said, I know tons of uh, Cub fans. You are halfway around the world. So how did uh, you experience the World Series as a whole and what it was like to clinch? Since I imagine it was in the middle of the night where you are. Uh, yeah, we are in Cairo. We are six hours ahead of Eastern time. So any night games are... You know, I watch a lot of NFL online because, or you know, because you can watch on Sunday evening and and still be in bed at one. Like I'm a working father, so I don't, I can't be up till three. So I don't watch that much NBA. I just watch that the next morning. Baseball, I this one in particular, I kind of tracked it, um, online, but recreating it. I wasn't staying up late and I wasn't watching. Uh, I, I was I would like basically experience it through podcasts, you know, Levitard and Kornheiser and a bit of PTI and like clips on Deadspin and stuff like that and would sort of recreate it. And I was following it and I was following it and I was following it. And I didn't think they'd win because it from everything I'd seen from the outside and I'm pretty disconnected from it. But but I know the names. I know Rizzo. I know. Uh, you know that Theo Epstein's a genius and, and Madden and Lester. I mean, I but I but I experience it via particular podcasts and, and little articles and stuff. And I and I from everything I'd heard, it felt like they were a year early. 
And so I was just like, it's not going to happen, even up through Game 7. I know, that, I guess they may have been ahead of the five-year plan, but, you know, I mean, they had the best record in baseball. So I think uh, some fans I know were just afraid that, you know, this is a team that has been, you know, historically an underdog, and to actually be the overdog, you know, put them in a weird position, especially, you know, in the, you know playing the Dodgers, you know, who are perennial overdogs, and the roles were reversed, and then, you know, you get to the NLCS, and then you get to the World Series, and you're playing Cleveland, who, you know... Are the little Cinderella story, and are mowing people down, apparently. Like, yeah, the, basically, this is like, I would wake up the next morning, hear some stuff, and go look up uh, Miller just to see how this guy is pitching because people were talking about him like he was this unstoppable force. So I would watch watch those in retrospect. And, and in Game 7, um, I'm going to bed. It's like 1.30 in the morning or so, maybe even 2. And i got to be up early in the morning. And my 3-year-old daughter is asleep next to me. So I'm, I'm just checking in on ESPN.com on my phone and going, oh, it's tight. In Like I basically tracked the the Ross home run on my phone in the dark trying not to wake up the kid and damn near stayed up but I just couldn't I just couldn't I went to sleep and uh you know early job and kids just so well but but I still did I don't think it was that was the first time I was like holy shit they they might win they might and and that's cool it's 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 fun I wasn't a tortured Cubs fan but I was definitely in high school, I was very into. I was a suburban kid, northern suburbs, and and um, the the team with uh, Sutcliffe and Jody Davis and uh, oh Leon something and Ryan Sandberg, of course, and Ron Say and Davey Lopes. Like I could probably get named that roster with ninety percent retention. So, but I was never tortured. I liked it. I liked going to Wrigley. This is very cool. Actually, I have a question for you, Mark. Um, there seems to be a backlash almost from my removed perspective and experience in a certain way. It sounds like people are already sick of the Cubs and their fans. I think well, there's that bad. Are they are they obnoxious? If you tell me they're particularly obnoxious, I'll I'll accept it. But I'm not there, so I don't know how, how bad are the Cubs fans. I think part of it is I think you know there has always been the perception that you know the Cubs were a yuppie team. You know, especially if you contrast them with the White Sox. You know, the Cubs are like the yuppie team. It was the team where, like, you know, rich college kids went to day games at Wrigley and all those things, you know, the, the stereotypes they used to say. I think I think part of it is I think people are expecting Cubs fans to turn into Red Sox fans because the way people okay. always people always used to be like, you know, you felt sorry for the, you know, tortured New England, you know, tortured New England Red Sox fans, Bill Buckner, Bucky Dent, Aaron Boone. And then once they won, and they've had so much winning in the last decade, you know, Boston fans have, like, all become sort of smug jerks. I think sort of basically personified by Bill Simmons. I think he is mass almost – the, is the term, right? Yeah, yes, yes. The masshole term is, is – that term. I yes, that's – yeah. I think people may be projecting – the success that Boston had after they broke the curse on the Cubs fans, but I think is two different mindsets. I mean, I've known lots of people from Chicago, especially when we were in college, and, you know, they were no more jerky than anybody else, as opposed to 
and again, this is part of my bias living where I do in the in the Mid Atlantic that I I attribute Boston fans, New York fans, and Philly fans are all cut from that hateful Northeast corridor mentality. So I don't think I think the Cubs would have to have a lot because I don't really because you think about it if you look at the sort of the rest of the Chicago sports you had like six NBA titles and two or three Stanley Cups and I don't think you really attribute that Chicago fans have turned into into mass holes from that success so I don't really think Cubs success would do that unless. You know, they win like three in a row and then start being cock of the walk. But, you know, that doesn't usually happen in baseball. So I don't think that's going to happen. So I think a lot of it is projection. Well, they always did have a rep as sort of like white collar, white-ish, if not all white, but but, but sort of white collar, uh, good side of the tracks fans. That's, well, why I've got, that's why I've embraced Michael Wilbon. Michael Wilbon is my, is my spirit animal, basically, in the national landscape like you know i like that he's passionate it's like yeah okay i liked i liked old will bond new will bond well i mean i stopped watching pti so and i don't listen to Kornheiser's show anymore so i really don't have any more exposure to will bond but it seemed like i enjoy him still i enjoy tony i still i listen to the, i'm a little yeah. Well, fun. as you as you know, I used to be like one of the king littles. So, <laughs> you know, back in the day, he has like because I used to like go down like they would let me come on my birthday and like I used to watch the show being taped. But I haven't been there since they moved. Like when they went to HD and they like when Atlantic Video moved from they used to be in the ATF building of all things. Mm-hmm. So like they were right in Chinatown. And then they moved, I think, to, maybe to, like, ABC head studio or something. And like, that was, like, the last time. I, like, haven't been there since. But it seemed like, from the from the outside... I mean, Wilbon was always really nice to me whenever I met him. So I'm not going to say anything bad about him personally. But from the outside, he certainly appears to be, like, the newspaper guy who went to TV and became, you know, a star effer. You know, and then, you know, when Tony went to do Monday Night Football, that dynamic sort of changed, too. So that's one of those things that's like a piece of my past that, like, I finally remember, but it's not part of my present anymore. You know, I used to love Levitard's show, but, like, I gave that up when when the NWO Heat was created. That just became too much (laughs) for me because I'm not a basketball guy. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's my favorite thing it's I, I i thoroughly embrace what they're doing and i can't believe they're getting away with half of it and, and 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 it can't last it cannot last the way they're doing it so it's fun to watch there's you know they'll they'll, they'll they it's it's like simmons or something like it's too interesting to last that long and i i thoroughly enjoy it i mean i haven't listened to dan show since he went national but it always it's funny he always used to say because we interviewed him once in the magazine that cool. he he was always steadfastly maintaining wanting to stay local and doing it his way. So it, it's sort of funny that he finally got, you know, ESPN, I guess, sort of acquiesced that from from what I know, it's still basically the same show. Like some of the parts have changed because because Hawk's not there anymore. Right. Like Hawk went to the other station. I, I got into Levitard post Hawk. OK. See, because I was still listening when it was Dan and Stu Gotts, and Hawk was a producer, and Mike Ryan was a producer, and and Roy was like the Ryan and Roy are still there, right? Like Mike Ryan is now almost like the third 
Like he's constantly talking and is in on everything and is kind of running the peanut gallery. So he's he's nearly a co-host, Mike Ryan. See, because it's great. I enjoy it. It's, it's it's fun stuff. It made me. I used to occasionally listen to. I used to download, but not listen to every episode. But would 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 download Mike and Mike. And once I got into Levitard, I couldn't do it anymore. Like it ruined Mike and Mike for me very quickly. I consume almost zero ESPN now because it is. I consume a lot. I consume a lot. I think I live the sport vicariously. The only sport I can watch is the NFL. The more the the early slate of games. Process it through podcasts and 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 websites. I enjoy Deadspin. You might hate it. I, no, I I, I think Deadspin. I think generally Deadspin is fine, depending on sort of like which era we're talking about. But I enjoy the current era. I I, I don't know what came before it. I I got into it fairly recently. I got into it after Grantland went away, and I kind of had a hole in my. Uh, See, I don't. I, I mainly don't consume ESPN because a lot of what I care about sports-wise, ESPN doesn't really do. Like, I mean, f- except for, for baseball, it's like I really only watch hockey and soccer, So which are two things that ESPN really doesn't do. So I can sort of – and I am, I am like, virulently anti-NFL. So obviously ESPN – like, I have no place for ESPN because they – uh, I am one of those people who love using the phrase the football industrial complex. And so I, I think your point, I still watch it. I it's between Goodell and the CTE and the off field. It's sort of like I just, and I don't do fantasy anymore. So it's like, and I, I don't gamble fantasy. I never, I've never done fantasy. So all the things that people like about football no longer interest me. I really enjoy watching Oakland play. It's really fun. There's some fun teams, but I see your point. I'm just a, 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 I can't, I can't unhook the, the needle just yet. Like I said, it's the hyper violence and the way it's run, and it's four hours. You know, it's like ten seconds of red zone, baby, red zone. But uh, see, this is one of the reasons I love soccer so much now is it's like it's a discrete unit of. Two forty-five minute halves with no commercials. So, and it's like the only, oddly, it's like the only sport, even with extra time, that never exceeds its time slot. Like a soccer match is a discrete two-hour unit. So, I mean, admittedly, you can overdose, and you know, depending on if you have the right packages, you can watch. The best, a, the best way to consume the NFL at this point is through the website, watching the condensed version the next day. Because they last a half hour, the condensed version. It's an option on NFL.com, and it's just like play, 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 and a game lasts a half hour. You get to watch the ebb and the flow of the game. You're watching every play, every drive, and, and all that. It's it it works. It's just uh, you know, it's one of those things. I just I evolved the way. From... <laughs> well, it's funny because you know there's been all these articles this year about why ratings are down. And people are just like, is it bad games? Is it because people are more worried about the election and all this stuff? And it's like... There's been a lot of chatter about that. And it's like, I want to say, you know, I can't be the only person who has sort of soured on it. It's probably such a small percentage that never comes up. Like, people say they're bad games, but people don't say that they've, like, they don't like the sport anymore it's sort of like that thing where you know they always used to say you can criticize the president but you can't criticize the 
President C. With a lot of stuff in popular culture these days, I'm just I've like divorced myself from it, and it's like if it's good and you like it, that's fine. I just don't care. It's like a lot of my friends are surprised that I watch zero of the comic book TV shows because they're like, well, if anybody watches these, it must be you. And I'm like, no. It's like if you like them, that's fine. But it's like between like changing continuity and the way a lot of books have gone and they're more closely adapted that way it's like no thank you it's like you know if you like you know this is not my flash this is like my it's not been my flash for like 10 years now you can take all of that continuity and it's if it's good for you that's good but i don't watch it and i don't really care about it i don't i don't follow any of the tv shows i think i downloaded an episode of green arrow at one point an episode of flash or maybe watched clips on youtube and went oh, okay i know what this is about but i'm just not going to make room in the schedule for it i watch the movies all the superhero movies i eventually you know if not right away i eventually get around to downloading and watching them wait let me shift gears a little bit i have a question for you okay we're talking sort of mainstream media and espn and etc cetera, etc cetera. how do you feel about wrestling's sort of sudden penetration into and not suddenly it happened like two years ago like Rolling Stone is reviewing wrestling regularly and the AV Club and fucking Forbes or something has a wrestling column and ESPN is like built a little wrestling wing on that what what's happening for, for the listener hold on just to, to clarify for the listener Mark and I bonded as down the hall neighbors in freshman year at Indiana University and two of our major bonding points were. Pro wrestling, reading like you know this week's Observer on freaking paper. Um, I still, I still, I still have a print. I, I am print only for the Observer, and it is now like twenty five years. So, Observers and and Sandman, those were two of our major bonding points that year. Every new epi- every new issue, like Sandman, there was a time when Sandman came. Not every month, more like every three months, and, and drove you nuts, and you were addicted to it, and you read it on paper. There are people alive who did that. I think a lot of it is that media is so fragmented that they're going to grasp at anything that they know has a discrete, dedicated following. So ESPN knows that there are at least a couple million people who still watch the WWE. And so if they have... Brock Lesnar or Paul Heyman or John Cena on SportsCenter, they think that, you know, they'll get X number of thousand people to tune in just because they're on. So I think, like everything in media now, I think it's all about clicks and hits. I really enjoyed the Cheap Heat podcast when it was the full crew with Shoemaker in them. I liked that. I liked that there's the, you know, the, 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 I listened to, I tried to listen to wrestling podcasts a couple of years ago and they were terrible, like call-in shows with like fucking deranged people calling in or just, they were just sort of very bro-ish or kind of dumb. And the, the cheap heat podcast I enjoy and the dual wrestling podcasts, I try, I fall behind, but I follow them. It, wrestling, it feels like has reached this it, it, with, with technology, I guess. It's, 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 it's got an interesting penetration. Like it's it's having a it feels like it's like reached a level not like Hulkamania levels or anything. It's, it's, it's there's an ESPN WWE page that's unthinkable a couple of years ago. I'm sure there's people at ESPN that are kind of like annoyed about this. Like it it, it isn't a sport. Like it is theater. Why you know? Of course, the 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 two counter arguments to that are wrestling's been on ESPN since almost the beginning, so it's not mm. like. This is something new. It's like they had AWA and World Class 
in the eighties. So and you and you think about it, there's at least two or three former WWE guys who were, who are on Sports Center now. That's that's been part of it. There's been this quiet infiltration. Like Coachman's sort of the the old hand now, but there's like six of them. Well, if you think about, it, I mean, the sort of on your feet training that you get working for Vince probably would serve you. I mean, really, is is being on TV for them really different than like working for a regional sports net in terms of training? Oh, if anything, they're probably like very good on their feet in a way that like there's a you know doing what they're doing in in wrestling is is up there with sort of like you know covering a live football game or something like that it's it's well i would what i was going to say is there's there's like a million podcasts now and there's so many varieties where you've got the talking sort of like you know like the Meltzer podcast but then you've got like all these like actual pros doing you can choose those i listen to every episode of cheap heat and every episode of shoemaker's show at some point they pile up in my phone but i do enjoy them and I, I download specific ones. Like, when, you know, I read that the Dean Ambrose Stone Cold podcast was some sort of weird train wreck. So I went out and downloaded that. And Broken Matt Hardy uh, and Jericho was magical. Hardy, I'm kind of on board for I, what's going on in TNA, but I hope they keep doing it. It's, it's kind of amazing. I would say, generally speaking, day in or week in, week out, Jericho has the best of the wrestler podcast but he has a lot more media people on so i think it's a lot more pick and shoot when he has good episodes i think they're very good but you know there's a lot of you know heavy metal rock stars and he's like he seems to be like a big paranormal cryptozoology guy so there's all sorts of okay you know like bigfoot experts and psychics and <laughs> Things like that. Austin, Austin show is hit and miss, depending on like if he has a good get. Like for a while, if Austin has like old guys on, it can be interesting because he's one of those guys that unfortunately has a is a lot of sort of in my day things were better. Like Jim Ross's podcast is horrible for that. Like he has the same four or five talking points that he constantly brings up, so his show is almost unlistenable now. Are you enjoying the product right now? I know you're a big lucha guy. I don't. I, I don't quite speak lucha, but I know you're passionate about it. But I, but I follow WWE. I follow. I'm, I'm, I watch a little PWG online and ROH. Are you enjoying the fact that that ROH 2000 and what nine is kind of running the company? It's kind of amazing. Kevin Owens and freaking El Generico and Kevin Steen are are thriving in WWE. Who the hell thought that would ever happen? I uh, I do not I do not actually watch the WWE. No way. Uh, I sort of well I sort of don't care and it's like I can I keep up with the news between like the boards I'm on and reading the Observer, but it's like really other than watching Lucha, that's all I I mean NXT actually ran like a half an hour from my house a couple weeks ago. And we went to that, and there would have been a podcast, but we recorded the podcast in my car after the show, and then it didn't save on my phone. So there, that would have actually been an episode. I went to ROH in Baltimore last week only to see because they had brought in guys from Mexico who who conveniently wrestled in the first match, which allowed me to leave a half an hour into the four hours worth of tapings. 
time. So I was I was actually home in time to watch the World Series at eight o'clock. So that was actually a good thing. I have never subscribed to the network. Oh, okay. I that's that's actually sort of a philosophical economic. I don't want to give Vince my money. The only thing that I would probably watch on the network is the old stuff, and they don't show all of what like they have not put up all of what they have and a lot of what do they what, have old world class do they have old sportatorium world class they have some i mean they have the they have the world class library but i, I don't think that that's one of my i was like i think that was some was that espn national that had like from the sportatorium or was it just my one of my local no, channels no they had eric embry iceman king parson they they had the end of world class and then when it became USWA, when Jarrett bought them, and then when it became global, you know, when, like, Mick Foley and Raven and young Sean Waltman were there, that was, like, early 90s. But the thing is, there's so much stuff that you can watch, like, just on YouTube. It's like, do I need to pay oh, yeah. Vince – do I need to pay Vince $10 a month when I can watch years and years of, like – Georgia and Memphis on YouTube and you know like Vince has Vince unfortunately has the Mid-South library now but there's plenty of that stuff that you can find on YouTube or sort of like my friend Matt if I were to actually buy anything I would subscribe to the NWA service which is basically old tapes of Paul Bosch's Houston and apparently there it's just full of it's full of hidden gems you know like a 1982 match between like Nick Bockwinkle and Ricky Morton or like, you know, like when Watts's guys would run Houston, they have, you know, Duggan and DiBiase wrestling and that. So all sorts of like buried treasures, but I can watch four hours of Lucha on, on YouTube or on their own channel every week. So it's like, that's enough for me. And that's all I really care about right now. So I've started to dip my toe into sort of Lucha Underground highlights online, but Lucha Lucha, I just, I can't, it doesn't connect for me. Never did. See, see, I don't, I don't, I don't actually watch Lucha Underground. Like, I, there's, there's another sort of philosophical issue there for me where, one, Lucha Underground is affiliated with AAA in Mexico, and that's the company that I don't watch. I watch the other company. All right. And the other thing is Lucha and this has become sort of an internet talking point that apparently a lot of people have, not just me, but like Lucha Underground is a television show with wrestling. It is not a wrestling television show. It's weird. It's yeah, really weird. I mean it it logically fits it logically fits into thematically being on on Rodriguez's T V channel. You know, it fits in with – I mean, it's Grindhouse Wrestling. That's what it is. Oh, he owns the channel. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, it's – All right. Yeah, El Rey is, is his – that's why it has, like, Grindhouse and Shaw Brothers kung fu movies and, like, weird horror movies. Like, it's all that kind of – I mean, which is fine. I don't have any issue with that. Yeah, it's just – I sort of like more traditional old-school lucha, which is what sort of CML kind of is. A lot of it is sort of the pageantry and the costumes and and the wrestling sort of as a pack. You know, it's sort of like classic culture kind of stuff. Have you learned Spanish? No, no I truly appreciate. Barely. No, this is. Or picked it up. No, I am. I am. I am. No, I. 
I I horribly talk to people with Google Translate only to find out that just how not correct Google Translate can be sometimes. So fortunately, <laughs> I have friends who are you know that are that are Mexican or Mexican American. So like if I need to do an interview with somebody, I can I can talk to one of my friends and say, here are the questions. Translate these. So then I get them back and I, I email them to like the luchador and then they write me back and then I send him the answers and then he translates them for me. So I'm getting ready to do uh, – there's a guy in Mexico who named Hechicero who people who listen to the podcast will know. I've interviewed a couple times and he's the guy that's on like the cover of the last issue of the magazine. Um, All right. Oh, okay. He, I saw him last week in Baltimore plus – he just had a big match on TV this week where he actually won. CML has like a jillion titles, but he actually won one of the world. I want to say he won the welterweight title, but I'm not 100% sure. But he won something this week. And it, was, it was a really good match. And it was really cool. So we were happy for him. So I'm going to do an interview with him all about the stuff that happened this week. Plus, like, this was a big week in Lucha because it was, it was Dia de Mortis. You know, like it was the Day of the Dead. So... CML does this thing. put on shows that day? Well, CML does this thing where, like, they all, like, people dress up and they have, like, fancy costumes and they wear, like, skeleton paint and there's a woman pretending to be, like, the Aztec Queen of the Dead and then when they have matches and then when the guys lose, these skeleton guys come out and they, quote-unquote, drag them to hell, which is, like, one of the entrances with spooky, with spooky fog and lighting next to it. It's very lucha. It's it's one of those things where you just go, it's lucha. It's sort of like I know we used to. I remember we used to joke about this when we would watch WCW. That if there was like a particularly egregiously over choreographed spot, we would yell lucha libre. Because that's what I remember, and I I can't get over that part. Like when I watch lucha, it just seems too flippy floppy for me. I remember once. I I remember once we were watching. It was some. It was like. It was like either the Young Guns or the Young Pistols, whatever they were at the time. I think teaming with Brad Armstrong, wow, which would make sense. Old. We are old. And they were fighting the Freebirds. Oh, they might, no, that's probably. I feel so, like I did experience the tail end of the prime of the Freebirds. The Freebirds, when I got into WCW, were fucking amazing. Unfortunately, then they turned into the glam rock Michael Hayes, Jimmy Garvin Freebirds. <laughs> I kind of enjoyed them too a little bit. I remember. Okay, I think this this was definitely while we were probably in the same town. There was a WCW pay-per-view, and it was in Philly at the height of ECW. And it was Freebirds versus the Dynamic Dudes, with the Freebirds as the heels, and the Dynamic Dudes as the packaged baby faces. And the, it was the first time I'd ever seen a crowd turn during a pay-per-view, and it made us love the Philly fans. It was such a beautiful moment. Jimmy Garvin, and, and, and the Freebirds won, and the crowd went crazy, and Garvin loved it. Like, he's the heel. It was, I, I remember this. It was fun. That that is like, you know, Philadelphia at its heart. It was an early yes. It was a defining moment. It was when the world like was still growing, and but you you were aware that there was this this thing coming out of Philadelphia. And it was a beautiful moment. See, to me, living in the sort of living in the Philadelphia media market, not surprising at all. Because you know this is because I think you know certainly by that point in the early '90s we had had. They had certainly booed Santa Claus by then. I think they had thrown snowballs. Oh, that was a while ago. No, that was, yeah, yeah. Snowballs and Santa Claus was when we were kids, I feel like. Or high school, maybe. Yes, it's no surprise that years later when you watch ECW and you see them chanting, like, she's a crack whore. 
at Francine or cheering Tommy Driver, Tommy Dreamer pile driving Beulah. You're like, yes, this I, is Philadelphia. I think the top of ECW would make me feel kind of queasy now, like looking back on some of that stuff. There was some of it that was amazing, you know? You know who was amazing? The Eliminators, man. Percy Saturn and, and what's his name who died? John Cronus. Uh, Cronus. They were great. And they were used well. Some of that stuff was great, but all of the women's stuff is just like, oh, my God. Well, really, yeah, I really, if you watch all of it. Well, if you watch, like, large parts of the Attitude Era, you know, oh, it's God. not... The broad panty matches and Sable's entire career, and, oh, yeah, no, it was bad. Like, embarrassing. Like everything now, there is so much to pick from that, like, you can afford to be picky and choosy, whether it's, you know, sports or wrestling content online or even... Or even comics. Do you get your comics online? Are you able to get them there? I I fell out of comics for a long time and got back into them when a friend, maybe four years ago, five, a little, when a friend gave me the hardcover of the Captain America Winter Soldier run. And that got me back into it. That got me online through sort of comicsology. Uh, I read them less now because I lost my iPad, and my iPad was my, my was how I viewed comics. Doing it on the way on the laptop, I just don't seem to find the time. So what I truly follow, I do some stuff through Comicsology. I I thoroughly enjoyed like Hickman's Avengers run and New Avengers run. I was I was quite into that. I got into East of West. I like a lot. I'm subscribed to Revival and Chew, but, I, but I've let that pile up, and I haven't read the last four or five episodes, so either I need to read them or, or I've lost interest and I need to cancel. Like East of West, and I liked Hick, Hickman's Avengers run. The Secret Wars thing was stupid. Um, see, I actually like... See, I think Secret Wars is, like, sort of the best Marvel like crossover. That? I think it's the best crossover they've done in a while, and I think the great thing about Secret Wars was when they did Battleworld, where they basically, like did all of these crazy what-ifs for, like, you know, four issues. And some of them were really, really, really good. Some of them were, you know, were okay. Kieran Gillen did Siege, where it was, you know, like all these bunch of Misfits characters at the wall that was protecting, like, their kingdom from these hordes of, like, zombies and Ultrons on the outside. and, And Jason Aaron did weird world where it was like the sword and sorcery book that was like very strangely painted and jason aaron is like one of my favorite guys you like him huh between well i mean i like kickman a lot too like have you have you read any of this new book that he's doing the the black monday murders Uh uh-uh all of hickman's books are weird i mean in a good way but this is somehow combining like ancient cults and some kind of sorcery along with like wall like Wall Street greed and all right it's 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 a trip no I would say you know I oh, love I love sex, who does sex criminal sorry I, Matt Fraction and Chip Zarsky I thoroughly enjoy that the, uh, not just the comics but the letters columns are freaking amazing have you read uh, have you read Casanova no, I, that's why I need recommendations from you. Right now, all I, I, I subscribe to, I, like I read through the whole Avengers, New Avengers run, Hickman, and then those subscriptions ran out. And to tell you the truth, I haven't gotten back into the new 
all new, all shinier, whatever, whatever they're calling this version of Marvel. I never got back into it. So what are some good entry points into the Marvel world and what are some things I should be reading? I, I love East of West. And there is, Bible there's, and, and God is dead. The first like season of it was what I enjoyed. The best thing, I think the best book this year and it just ended is Marvel's vision. Which is written by yes. I caught up to that. Yeah, I caught up to that. I'm aware of what that is and I need to subscribe to that. Yes. Yeah. Reading enough and then I had to stop reading because it was there were too many spoilers. I was like, okay. I, I think Deadspin, what one of the Deadspin side uh things or side sites, the tech site or whatever, has wrote lovingly about vision multiple times. That's by Tom King and now he just took over he just took over Batman. And it's only like a, it's only like it's like less than a year old because they're doing two issues a month. But the first arc was really good, and the current arc is Batman – basically Batman creating his own Suicide Squad to go after Bane. Okay. So, But it's – like it's it's been good so far. Um, DC just rebooted a lot of stuff. So there's some stuff that has like wonky continuity that you might not understand because it's I still left. I haven't followed DC sort of mainstream for years. And That's years. good. I mean, I That's good because I, I can't seem to find an entry point. I don't know if I followed DC since Alan Moore and and Sandman. Like well, I, Lucifer, I, I caught up. I you know I devoured. You know I just sort of discovered Lucifer after the fact and read through that. Loved that. Well, Greg Rucka just took over Wonder Woman again. And it's been really good so far. All right. And, well, if you're buying a lot of image stuff, a book that you would probably really like is Greg Rucka's Lazarus. I'm aware of the name. Okay. It's it's this thing where it's set in this sort of, like, near-future dystopia where there's, like, 10 or 12 sort of super-rich oligarchs that run the world. Like, they've broke – it's like a big giant game of Risk with, like, families owning certain parts of the world – and then, like, each one of them has, like, their own personal super soldier. All right. And so, like, the woman who's, like, the point of view character is, like, one of the super soldiers for, like, sort of the family that owns basically where we are in the United States. But that's only – like, I, mean, I, I mean, sort of – are they kind of samurais? They're serving a house kind of Yes. Thing, it's kind of – it's right. – it's, I, I sort of hate doing this, but it's sort of like Mad Max meets Game of Thrones – Kind of right. like I hate doing the meets blank meets one line yeah, pitch, it's, but it's useful sometimes. But yeah, <clears throat> but if you listen, but like Ruck has been on the podcast twice, so if you go back and listen to those, I know we talk about it. I think on both shows, there's that scene. Casanova is is Matt Fraction's like very weird spy book. That's it's like a '60s spy book, but it's full of all this weird parallel world time travel. It's really, really weird, but really, really good. But yeah, definitely, definitely Vision. Um, yes, absolutely. Vision is top of my list. I, yeah, I, I you mentioned to that in. Yeah, and you I mentioned need to catch up on Chew and Revival. Like, I'm a, well, I, I really liked Chew. Chew. Uh, here's here's the good news, bad news. Uh, the penultimate issue of Chew came out last week. Okay, that's okay. I've let like seven issues build up, so I'll I'll go. It'll let it be a nice run. Okay. That's one of those. And you, it's been going for a long time. Well, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, like I said, there's only one issue left, but they they like you just come back from a big break. I would also, I mean, I think everyone would probably also recommend Saga, 
which is really good, but can be kind of wonky and is... I, I'm, I'm connected enough or I listen to enough that I'm aware that Saga is like is, is everyone's recommendation and I just I kind of like read about it and was just like I cannot make time for this this sounds kind of all it's it's very it's very soap opery and yeah. like and very very adult um, and sort of themes and language and content so um, no something but I would say I would also go back and read like Jason all of Jason Aaron's Thor is really what now here's something that's that's now old but there's a big omnibus of it. Jason Aaron's Ghost Rider is like 5 or 6 years old if not more, but it is like a giant it is like a giant B movie. It's almost like if he took Ghost Rider and sort of merged it with Preacher and Sandman because he's like fighting angels and there's devils and but then there's like giant monster trucks and guys on motorcycles and shotguns and you know shotgun wielding nuns and the other uh, two other Jason Aaron things that you might like. One's a book called Southern Bastards. Aware of, I know the name. Okay, yeah. it's it's basi- it's basically it's like set in a corrupt corrupt Southern Alabama town that all revolves around high school football. Okay. Well, that that's the start. Well, the guy who runs the town sort of is named coach boss so that should tell you like sort of where it is like it starts with a guy coming like your sort of standard 70s revenge thing where like a guy comes back an old grizzled guy comes back and tries to clean up the town where he like grew up and then stuff happens but that's sort of where the other book that jason aaron does right now did you ever read scalped scalped no it was jason aaron's vertigo book that was it was uh set on like uh, with an Indi- it was basically like on an Indian reservation and an Indian casino where the main character is an under the main character is an undercover FBI agent who like grew up who's, who's uh, an Indian and grew up in that town and so All he right. shows up and he starts working for the casino and then you find out he's actually an undercover FBI agent right. but anyway, but that's that's kind of old so it's like discreet so you could actually get the whole thing now but anyway so the book Jason Aaron is doing now with the guy that drew scalped is this book called the god damned which is all right it's him retelling the story of noah and cain and abel but it's very very effed up so i've got my marching orders now oh god what was the thing saga i don't i still don't think i can make time for I, saga, but, but southern no, bastards I, and the vision i was like i would say if i was like if i was giving you like a short list vision agree Southern Bastards, Lazarus, The Goddamned, and Hickman's Black Monday Murders. I will, uh, yeah, I will write all this up and send it to you later, so you don't have to worry about remembering it. That'd be great. Thank you. Uh, since I guess we kind of can't avoid the other, the other uh, news story. What is the mood where you are about the election? That the country's gone a little crazy. Um, I've had to sort of explain the Trump phenomenon to Egyptian sort of friends and <laughs> sorry, excuse me, coworkers. You know, we have uh, I work at a news agency, and we have like translators on staff that were just like, you know, they're as plugged in as anybody, and 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 they're just like, 
explain it. And, and the best I could tell them, and they don't trust Clintons at all, um, but the best I could tell them is just like Trump is the guy who appeals to the people who are sick of politicians. And they get that. Like, okay, you know. But uh... Well, see, I don't know if this is like a completely analogous thing, but I would think, given where you are, that Trump as sort of a non-traditional, I don't want to say sort of cultist, but like appealing to a very sort of hardcore fundamentalist philosophy, I could see that translating in a way to, you know, some aspects of like Middle Eastern politics, if that makes any sense. No, you. it's one of the ways to explain it to people out here. You're like, yeah, you know, America has kind of fundamentalists as well, not just a religious fundamentalist, political fundamentalist. Like you kind of I say it's like these are it's just kind of fuel the fundamentalists of America. And they go, oh, OK. All right. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who lives in a very sort of red state part of the country, mm. you know, it's 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 like I have lots of friends who like, you know, live in New York or live in Portland and are just, you know, it's like they never run into people on the other side. And I'm like, I'm around, you know, like I think on my like on my drive to work, which is, you know, like 20 minutes, you know, I don't think I have seen one Clinton sign in anybody's yard. And I don't know if that's because there are no supporters or those supporters know not to be vocal or visible. Uh If I had to guess, I would say the, they are a silent minority here for fear of repercussion. Well, and I'm sure you've also got – I'm sure you've got a lot of, of – you know, being red doesn't mean pro-Trump. I mean I know a lot of Republicans that are kind of like just openly appalled and want to get this over with. Um, so you probably got some of that going too. But but yeah, or, or, or is it pro-Trump is what you're seeing? Are you, are you, is, it, is it like heavy or is there kind of a mixed feelings? Uh, I would say if I counted – on my way, my average drive to work, I would say there were, I would see at least 15 to 20 Trump signs in people's yards. Huh. But this is also, you know, r- you know, rural mid-Atlantic farm country, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, some, you know, a healthy amount of military. So, I, you know, it's not surprising, but... I don't know. It's one of the things I think of is one of the things about it's weird that I bet like geographically, I bet at least 75 percent of Maryland would be Republican geographically. Uh-huh. But population wise, it's probably like 75 percent Democrat because, hmm. well, you have like all of Baltimore sure, and you have all of the liberal part of the DMV. That live in Silver Spring and Rockville, because I mean, from knowing people that live there, from like when I lived here and then when I lived in Virginia Beach, it seems like, generally speaking, the Democrats lived in Maryland and the Republicans lived in Virginia. I mean, so it's I don't know if that's like a hundred percent true, but that's always the opinion I've gotten from people. And if you sort of look at you know relief maps and voting patterns and stuff like that. So I think Maryland almost always goes Democrat, 
because of Baltimore County, Baltimore City, and suburban Washington. Right. I think of Maryland as a blue state. Because I remember as a kid that, like, Maryland was only, I think, one of six states that voted for Carter in 1980. Right. <laughs> so that, you know, that memory sticks in me. I don't remember, well, I, yeah, I guess, I don't remember the, I don't remember the other ones, because, like, 88 and 92, I was in Bloomington. So I don't really remember how that went here. You know, I think, yeah, I think generally speaking, Maryland is officially blue. So well, you're in a reddish part. But I am in, yeah, I am in a reddish part. The only good thing is I'm, the only good thing is I'm off on Tuesday, so I won't be at work one way or the other. I'm happy about that. I messed up my absentee voting. I, I'll confess it in front of your thousands and thousands of listeners. I, I, I wrote to them too late. After I messed up. I should have voted. I'm sorry, everybody. Is that still Chicago? Illinois, baby. Vote early, vote often. I don't know if Illinois needs your one vote. I think Illinois could be... I think they'll be all right, yeah. I think they'll be okay. Here, probably couldn't, you know. But I know, yeah, I know it's like I've been, like, looking at my friends posting pictures all day of, like, places where they live, and, like, the like people are doing early voting today, and, like, the lines are around the block, and I'm just, like, just waiting for the malfeasance stories to come out. I think, I think any, maybe just because I've lived overseas for most of the past 20 years, but... I think if I if I moved back to the states with my family, I think I would enjoy like standing in line on election day, but not on this election day. This is definitely a year to, to, to cast your vote and stay off the street. I I think for like the last three things, I just do it by mail. So like I mean I think I had my ballot like in September. It was like it came, I did it one day, and I was done. Don't have to worry about this anymore. I think I would enjoy standing online. That's that's kind of my like just not having lived there thing, and and having seen so many useless and and screwed up election days in the Middle East. It was like no, I think I'd, it would be cute. I would feel the urge. It would be kind of almost touristy. Well, my man, I want to thank you very much. We had some weird scheduling, so I know it's late where you are. So it's eleven fifteen p.m. So it's still early enough. I'll go to bed. I was going to say, it's still light here, although not from remember. Is your book still in print? Can people still get it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is there. It is, it is you know, Amazon is certainly the most likely place to get it. It's called Liberation Square, uh, the, Behind the Egyptian Revolution, or Inside the Egyptian Revolution, and the Birth of a Nation. It is, I think, very well written. It ends during the period when things were still optimistic here. So it, it's an interesting kind of snapshot of history. It's before things turned. So, I, I yeah, pick it up, folks. It's a, it's a good read. The, uh, I was going to, since we, we said we weren't going to talk about about footy, but did has the, has the Egyptian League ever come back? Because I remember, like, at one point, they just canceled it. Did, did it ever restart? Like two seasons, it has restarted. I mean, things are very law and order right now. Like it's, uh, yeah, yeah, everything's kind of going. But 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 yeah, they missed a good season plus, and then they try to get it back together, and it would be a disaster, and there'd be some sort of crowd thing. And yeah, it was a bad run. It sort of mirrors the fate of the nation. The, 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 but but it is going. Yes, and people are watching. Yeah. And now that our 
our Bob Bradley has moved on to actually coaching a Premier League team now. Bob Bradley, that was such a story here because people were writing about him and he seemed like a good guy and he was sticking it out after the revolution and he took us on a run to the African League and I think we got to the final and we got stomped. It's not even like lost, like got embarrassed. God here. He would have been, I mean, the, the stories had been written and, 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 you know, people were desperate to find, hey, there's, there's, you know, even with all our messed up at this after the revolution, you know, like there's this white guy. He loves it here. God bless. He's learned seven words of Arabic. He was nearing cult status and it all went to shit. If I remember right, I think if I remember right, it was like six nil. It was just it was like Paris. Like it wasn't like if he, if we lost close, he would have still had like, you know, have like favored son status, I think. And but it was six. So it was just like everyone was just stunned. It was so humiliating. But yeah, I remember, you know, naturally there was lots of stories over here about, you know, because it was. I mean, yeah, every every sort of once the first couple of everybody was just sort of like, yeah, it was almost like a lazy topic. But uh, yeah, I tried to interview. I don't think I could get through for whatever reason. So, yeah, so people can can pick up your book once again. Thanks. Uh, this was yeah. really fun. Then. Yeah, I was going to say once maybe once you get caught up on your reading, you'll come back on and we can talk about all the stuff that uh, you're caught up on. All right. I mean, what I, I mean, even I'll, I'll probably add one book and also like challenge myself to, to get through my backlog of revival and chew. So I'll have I'll have opinions on that. Cool. Thanks again. And we will talk to everybody next time.